My name is Wade. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Indelible Grace Church, along with Jesse. And it's uh, my privilege to bring the word to us one final time for 2023. And <clears throat> I'm going to read the, t- the text from First Peter in just a second, but I just want to kind of orient us um, and think about how amazing it is that we're still here. Um, if you know about our history, um, we've had a time of transition, and this has been a really exciting year for us. Pastor Jesse and his church have joined this. Pastor Jesse and his family have joined uh, Indelible Grace Church. This has been, I think, four, four or five months now. It's been awesome. Um, being a part of the session has been really encouraging. We, when we meet together for session, it's it's sweet. It's encouraging. And the, the past, I think, every time since we've met with Jesse and board, it's just been encouraging. As we think about what God is doing in this church. As we think about the potential of this church, it's good, and um, I'm very grateful that we are where we are. Uh, not just that, the church is not about who leads, the church is about God's people worshiping Him. We inducted members, we baptized children, the session I think has matured and gelled, and there is a positive momentum, I think, to Indelible Grace Church, and I think that. We have good days ahead of us, and it's not because we ourselves can be a great church. Um, that's not our goal. Our goal is not to build a brand. Our goal is to make disciples. We want to be a healthy and faithful church, and um, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, we are where we are, and I'm grateful for all of you guys who have been patient and gracious with us and those who have served alongside us. Um, this is by the grace of God. So, um, I'm I just as as someone who has been a part of the church for a while, um, I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge the part that you guys have played in it. So, thank you. So now we are going to look at our text. Our text is First Peter, for verse chapter four, verses seven through eleven. And um, we have been going through First Peter, and this is going to we've kind of jumped around a little bit, but today we are going to go through First Peter for the last time for a while, and um, I'm going to read ch- chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and follow along in your bulletin. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. This is the word of God. And... Um, we mentioned, Pastor Jesse mentioned earlier, this is a family service, so the kids are staying in here with us. So um, if you're here w- with us for the first time, first of all, welcome. Um, if you want to sign up for a newsletter, you can go online um, at the bottom of our front page. You just put your email address, and this is the best way to find out what's happening in the church. Um, we also welcome you to talk to any of the leaders, Pastor Jesse, myself, the elders, the friend that brought you. We'd love to get to know you better and um, hear your story. Um, but what we do in our family services is there is a element that we're hope, hoping is friendly to the children in, in the congregation. Um, 
It's going to be a little bit shorter, so I think that you're all going to be happy about that. The sermon will be a little bit shorter. Um, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to preach on a level that is hopefully understandable to most of us in this room. So um, that's just what to expect for the next 15, 20 minutes. So um, as I mentioned, we've been going through First Peter, and today's passage begins with this line. It says, the end of all things is at hand. And we're going to think about everything in, light, in, in the context of this. So, if you have a bulletin, this is what we're going to do. This is for the children, not just for the children, but also for the adults. Is if you look in your bulletin, on somewhere in the middle, there is a little uh, rhyme, rhyming scheme. All right. So, this is what we're going to do. Is at various times throughout this sermon, we're going to recite it together. So, this is what it is. The time is short. Let's pray in love. Strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. All right, so I'm going to uh, have you guys repeat this several times throughout the sermon. So let's try this, all right? In your bulletin, let's see if this will work. I don't know if it's going to work because we usually don't say this many words all at once, but let's try, all right? All right, here we go. The time is short. Let's pray and love. Strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. Awesome. I love that. All right. So if you don't remember anything else, this is the sermon in a nutshell. So um, you can save yourself 20 minutes just by reading this. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's look at our text. So Peter, he tells the church, he says, the time is near. The end of all things is near. And think about where we are the last day of 2023. And we've got a few more hours in this year. And you might be, th- be thinking, how was this year? What could I have done differently? What should I have done? What could, what should I not have done? Um, are there goals that you want to reach before the end of 2023? You might need to spend your FSA money or HSA money or whatever it is that you need to do before the end of 2023. When you know that something is coming to an end, There's something inside you that drives you because you know that the time is short. You want to make use of that time. The uh, philosopher Eminem, in his uh, song Lose Yourself, one of his more clean songs, so that's why I'm um, willing to quote him. He starts off his song with this. Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? So what if you knew that the end was coming and you had one chance, one shot to do something worthwhile? What would you do? Peter, in his text, he says, the end of all things is near. You have one shot to do something good with your life. Now, as we look at this text, as we hear this phrase, the end of all things is near, this might conjure up images of, I don't know if you guys have seen um, there's this caricature of religious people holding up a sign saying, the end is near, the end is near. And it's meant to scare people. It's meant to, to, to scare them into responding. It's meant to scare them into doing something. Um, here in the Bay Area, there was a, a guy, uh, the host of Family Radio, and uh, he made several predictions about the end of the world. And I, when I was a teenager, I read this book. It was called 1994 because the end of the world was supposed to be September 6th, my birthday, 1994. And um, I listened to him on the radio. And, um, of course, the world did not end. 
Um, and he made several other predictions. The last prediction was May 21st, 2011. And I remember this time because I was in a cafeteria and when this was at midnight and, um, uh, when the clock hits, uh, midnight, um, everyone was still there and the world did not end. And I remember everyone just sharing. Um, this was at a Christian school. So, and the funny thing is, um, this guy, his, his name's Harold. Um, I saw him at the Home Depot in Oakland um, just a few months after this. And um, it, just, it was sad because here, are, here was this person that people looked up to. And he said, the end is near. And people got caught up. And they thought, oh, if the world really is ending, I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do certain things. And here is the thing. The sentiment is right. Because the end of all things is near. This is what Peter tells us in the text. The end is coming. The end is coming. Whether or not you have some strange, quirky, religious guy telling you this, these things, the end is near. And when Peter says this, he's reminding the Christians in, in the early church, he's telling them this. In the context of your situation, you're seeing people being persecuted. You yourself are being persecuted for your faith. You should recognize this, that this is not all there is to your life. But this might be all you have in this time on earth. You are exiles. You are out of step with this world. So therefore, you don't take the time that you have for granted. Therefore, you live as if these final moments in your, ta- in your life, your time on this earth, matter. And here, just here's a little a theological lesson. Um, some people, they get really caught up in... When is Jesus coming back? Oh, there's stuff happening in the Middle East. So therefore, it means that Jesus must be coming back. Actually, when, when we see that the, in the Bible, when, the, when it says the thing, end of things is near, it's not meant for us to speculate about the exact time and date when things will end. It's to provide comfort for us. It's to encourage us to live our lives well. And when Peter says the end, of near, end is near, what he's saying is this, that everything in God's redemptive plan in history it has happened because Christ is, has died. He's been resurrected. And therefore, when Jesus says, it is finished, when it's finished, there's nothing else for us to do. We can rely on what Jesus has done. The end is near. It doesn't matter if you have five minutes left on this earth or 60 years left on this earth. What you can be confident of is this, that everything that is necessary for you to be right with God has been done through Jesus Christ. And when we say that the end is near, it's meant, again, for us to live well, encourage us to live well. It's to motivate us. It's to comfort us. So, let's remember this first point, which is the end is near. Let's recite this again, all right? Here we go. The time is short. Let's pray and love, strengthened by the Lord, to glorify God above. Awesome. When you know that the end is near, there's something inside you that moves you to, to, to work harder or to live differently. If you are in school, if you know that you're, the, the finals are approaching or you have a final, final uh, paper due at the end of the semester... Those final days or perhaps hours, you're going to be super duper concentrated. You're going to stay up till four in the morning. Have you guys ever been there? I've been there. I've been in front of the computer at four or five in the morning writing my final paper because the paper is due at 8 a.m. And you know that everything else does not matter. 
It doesn't matter if I haven't showered yet or if I have their text that I, I haven't responded to. I need to finish this paper. Or if you are more of an adult, when April 15th comes around, what is April 15th? That's when your taxes are due. That's come April 10th, 11th, 13th, 14th, 15th, you know that you need to finish your taxes. So therefore, everything else gets pushed to the wayside. I need to finish my taxes because I don't want to get in trouble with the governments. And Peter says, keep this in mind. There needs to be a concentration and an intentionality and a purpose to the final days, the final time that you have on this earth. The deadlines are a way to tell us that this is serious. So therefore, we must live like it. And therefore, how should we live? Look at verse 7. Peter says, be sober-minded, be clear-headed. This is in contrast to if you've ever been around someone who's not totally there. Maybe they are drunk or maybe they are on some type of thing that influences how they think or behave. Peter says, be sober-minded, think clearly. When he says this, he's saying this, think properly about yourself Think properly about reality. Your life is not meant for yourself to fulfill all your desires and fantasies and wishes. Your, the purpose of your life is to glorify God. It's to love and serve others. It's to honor your creator. And he says, be sober-minded, be clear-headed. Live in light of what is really true because the end is near. Something is on the line. Don't be flippant. Don't be careless. Pay attention to what's happening around you. Pay attention to what's happening around you. And there is in this a joy as well. If you've ever thought about, um, you know, like kids, maybe one day you guys will uh, will uh, learn this. But then um, Paul or Peter contrasts this this soberness to drunkenness, and he alcohol or whatever other drugs there are. These are depressants. They dull our senses. But when Paul says, or when Peter says, be sober-minded, what he's saying is this. Don't have your senses dulled. Have your senses come alive. And when our senses are alive, we can enjoy things as they are really meant to be. The colors are as bright as they're supposed to be. The dignity and the honor of people is on full display. We can see them not as objects, but as people created in the image of God. There is a joy in sobriety. He says, do this for the sake of your prayers, so that our prayers are effective. Remember in James, it says, the prayer of a righteous man is effective and avails much. When you're sober-minded, you know what to pray for. When you're sober-minded, you know how to pray. So Peter says this, be sober-minded because the end of all things is near. And let's recite this again, that the time is short. Let's pray in love, strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. Verse 8, Peter says, Show sincere love, show sincere love. Because the end is coming, one of your priorities is to show love to other people. And we can say a whole lot about what it means to love people. But let me just um, pull out what I think is the, the, the thrust of this portion of the text. Love other people in a way that is costly. Love other people in a way that really honors them. Love other people in a way that 
has been exemplified to us by Jesus, meaning he shows us grace, he forgives us, he gives us dignity and honor in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. And why are we told to love over and over in the Bible? Because it's really hard to love people. It's really hard to like people and love people that you yourselves are drawn to and like. But why are we told to love? Because the Bible recognizes that it is not easy to love other people. It's not. It's one of the most difficult things that you can do. The love that Peter speaks of in this passage is this. It's one that delights in the good of other people. It doesn't look for ways to fault them. It doesn't look for bad things for you to criticize. It has this attitude that love covers over a multitude of sins. Edmund Clowney, the preacher, this is what he says, Unless love can stretch to forgive many sins, it will not avail among us sinners. What he's saying is this, that love is forgiving. Love is sometimes painful. But this is the way to love for those who follow Jesus because it costs Jesus something for him to love us. It costs Jesus Everything in order for him to love us. Show sincere love, Peter says. Okay, now kids and everyone else, let's recite this again. The time is short. Let's pray in love, strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. So, not only are we to love, but we are to show hospitality. We're to show hospitality. Here in the first century, middle, um, in, in, in the context of the church, it was not a common thing for people to invite other people to their homes. You would invite other people to your homes if you, were, if you knew them well, if there was some intimate relationship. But Peter, there is a specificity to how Peter speaks of hospitality in this text. He's saying, invite people that you would otherwise not invite into your home. You are hospitable to them. You show them kindness. You give, you provide for them. The table is meant for friends and family normally. It's usually not meant for strangers, but it is different for those who belong to the household of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, you're called to be hospitable. This is what the text says. Be hospitable. Invite other people into your life. Invite other people in a way that might inconvenience you, but shows them the love of Christ. Or if you are perhaps a kid and you don't have, or is this anyone else, maybe you don't have the physical space to be a hospitable host. Maybe you think, ah, I, can't, I can't cook, I don't have the space, I have a tiny home, I don't know if I can invite people over. Hospitality is not primarily about that. Hospitality is about making the stranger feel welcome. When I was in junior high, um, I've always been a, a, a tiny dude. Um, I, would, I was called shrimp on a regular basis when I was in elementary school. And I remember there was this one time in, in junior high when someone was picking on me. And um, of course, I'm easy to pick on. Uh, back then, like even now, like I don't really speak up for myself, so I just kind of took it. But there was one guy, and I knew him through several years because I went to fifth grade and sixth grade with him. He was in my class. But in junior high, his name was David Modick. David Modig, and he saw that I was being picked on and bullied, and he went right up to the bully, and he said, what are you doing? Stop picking on him. This is during lunch, and um, I had, I, he, said, he said, like, just hang out with me, I'll protect you. Um, and um, I tried looking him up. I can't find him anymore on Facebook. I hope I, one day I can thank him. But this 
for him was hospitality. He was making me feel welcome and safe. Hospitality for the follower of Christ is making someone feel loved and welcomed. Show hospitality. Kids, everyone else, let's recite this again. The time is short. Let's pray in love, strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. Verses 10 and 11, it tells, Peter tells the church, serve one another, serve one another. He's speaking to Christians in the context of the church and he's saying, there are other people around you and your gifts, your resources, there is a way that you can bless these other people. What gifts and resources do you have to bless others around you? Maybe specifically in the context of the church. Maybe there are people that need babysitting. Maybe there are people that need an encouraging word. Maybe there's someone who needs to be taken out to coffee. Maybe there's someone who needs to be hugged. Maybe there's some practical matters that people need help with. And Peter says, the time is short. And the way to make use of your time is not to... Make yourself feel more safe and secure. It's to help other people. Serve one another. Pray for them. Serve them. Love them. Make them feel cared for when you care for them. That's my point. Let's recite this again. The time is short. Let's pray in love. Strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. And we are almost at the end The Christian life is not about us trying hard to be a certain way. Um, Let me say that again. The Christian life is not about us trying hard to be a certain type of person or being a certain way. The Christian life is to live in Jesus Christ. Peter says, Let him who serves serve with the strength that God provides. And this fits the pattern of how God operates. Everything that you that God demands of you, God provides. Everything that God is asking you to do, He never tells you to do it on your own willpower or your own strength. He says, whatever I'm asking of you, I'm going to give it to you so that you can carry it out. And we see this most vividly in the Gospel. All of us have offended God. All of us are deserving of God's judgment. And He could have left us to die because in order for us to approach God, in order for us to be right with our Creator, we need to have a perfection and righteousness. And God doesn't say, try harder. He doesn't say, be a good person. What He says is this, trust in Jesus, because Jesus is your perfection. Jesus is your righteousness. Everything that God demands, He provides. And when Peter says, serve, he doesn't say, serve on your own strength. He says, serve with the strength that God provides. God has provided for us everything that we need in Jesus Christ. We see this most clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The righteousness and perfection. So, we're not left to ourselves to serve. And practically, what does it look like? What does it look like for us to serve with the strength that God provides? This is what it looks like. We see this in the text. He says, verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. The way that you serve God with the strength that he provides is to be a good steward of the gifts that God has given you. 
Every one of you has a specific personality, a specific gift, a specific talent, specific resources. And the way to serve God with the strength that he provides is to recognize what is it that God has given me and how can I use these things to serve other people We are true to ourselves. We are true to who God has created us to be. We serve others with the strength that God provides when we recognize the gifts that God has given us, whether it be, I have a house that I recognize that God has given to me, or there is money in my wallet. I recognize that God has given that to me, or I have um, these gifts or talents. I have this personality. I'm able to talk to people well. I can can serve. I can fix cars. I can whatever it is. That is a strength. That is something that God has given you. Recognize what God has gifted you with and honor him by living to our full potential. Don't try to be someone else. And when we serve, our love is, and patience is tested. When, when we feel like this is difficult, we look to Jesus who, bore the, who, who, who looked toward the cross, who endured the shame and suffering. And when we look to Jesus, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. Over the course of our lives, over the course of 2024, you will be shaped into who God has called you to be if you look to Jesus. If you look to Jesus. Let's say this. We're going to do this two more times. So say this with me. The time is short. Let's pray in love, strengthened by the Lord to glorify God above. Now, why would we serve with the strength that God provides? The text tells us, so that in everything, God would get the glory. What is it that we want to do as a church in 2024? We don't want to build the brand of Indelible Grace Church. I've said this so many times from the pulpit. It doesn't matter if Indelible Grace Church exists. It matters if Jesus is worshipped. It matters if us as individuals will honor God with our lives. So what do we look forward to in 2024? We look forward to Jesus. We look at Jesus who has served us, who has loved us, who has given us a new name, who has given us a home to live in, in the church, and we can abide in Christ and Christ lives in us. This is what we look forward to, so that Christ, so that God will get all the glory. May this be true of us. May we serve with the strength that God provides. May we love and pray, knowing that time is short, for the sake of the glory and the fame of God. Let's say this with me one more time, and then I'm going to pray. The time is short. Let's pray in love, strengthened by the Lord, to glorify God above. Will you pray with me? Father God, the time is short, not just in 2023, but however much time we have on this earth, it's a vapor, you tell us in your word. We look at it and it's going to be gone. And I pray that this truth would sink into our hearts, that we would live well in a way that honors you, God. Make this true of Indelible Grace Church. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.